Leadership Show with Andy Peck. Welcome to the show that helps you lead according to God's purposes. I was chatting with a senior figure in Baptist circles, asking what he thought were the big issues facing church leaders post-COVID. I expected him to talk about the challenges of face marks or maybe the timing of children and youth services. He said, quite frankly, church leaders are terrified that people aren't going to come back to church at all. The COVID season is very much a potential turning point, and for some church leaders, they are tad fearful. Without minimising the pain that so many have gone through in the last 18 months, the season of COVID has also been an opportunity for a reset. We've all stepped away from the typical routines of church life and had the chance to ask, what was I doing? And was I seeing God at work as I would have liked? If we're looking to get back to normal, was, quotes normal actually worth returning to? Certainly the UK church attendance has continued to decline before COVID. Uh, so for some local churches, it's perhaps time for a rethink. Well, this week I'm joined by Andy Hickford. I studied at the same Bible college as Andy back in the 1980s at what was London Bible College and have been thrilled to see God's hand on his journey as a youth worker and later senior leader at Maybridge Christian Fellowship in Worthing for some 23 years. He has had opportunities as a major platform speaker at places such as Spring Harvest and New Wine. Now he has moved west along the south coast to Torquay to serve at Upton Vale Baptist Church. And I'm looking forward to chatting with him about church life post-COVID and what kind of approaches we might need to adopt to reverse the national decline. So lovely to chat with you again, Andy. Hi, Andy. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So you'd served at Maybridge for, for some 23 years and moved to Torquay in February 2019, just a, a year or so before COVID hit. So uh, you had a little bit of time to get your feet under the table, but perhaps not, not a lot of time to assess a church uh, before public gatherings were curtailed. Yeah, no, it was um, a bit of a baptism by fire, really. I was, I was moving from a non-denominational church to within a denomination. Um, it was a much, um, lo- not much, but a larger church, certainly a more traditional church. And uh, the culture and was more complicated to get get my head round. And uh, it was ironic, really, because I remember on the the weekend of, you know, preaching with the view, you know, that Christian version of blind date. <laughs> and um, uh, I, I remember saying, look, it's all gone really well this weekend, but can we just be clear about two things? Number one, it, it, the only reason for appointing me is that you know you need to change. So please don't appoint me if you don't want to change, because nobody wants to, <laughs> nobody wants that. And and secondly, you just have to understand that the way I'm wired, I am never going to lie awake at night wondering how to keep you lot happy. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried as hard as I could to say as clearly as I could at that point that you know if you appointed me that we would be in for a journey of change. Of course. The irony was that none of us knew that a global pandemic was going to hit 12 months later with, with enormous implications for the world and certainly for any of us in church leadership. So I look back on that Sunday afternoon and I'm, 
I'm still very glad I said those two things, but goodness me, I didn't realise just how quiet we were going to be <laughs> held, held to them over the coming uh, couple of years. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm obviously familiar to some extent with with the traditional independent church, having served in one myself. And I guess maybe Upton Vale's like this. I don't know. The one I served in was a little bit like it. And the, the belief is that you, if you preach the word faithfully and, and pray to God, God will kind of do his thing. And the kind of strategic planning is perhaps not necessary. Uh, obviously, there are other churches where where there's a lot of look at the community, the demographics, the if you like, the marketing and the market and and a, a great deal of need to, to adjust. And I'm just wondering which end of the spectrum you you are on, Andy, as you uh, had arrived at, at Upton Vale and, and sought to to bring in that kind of change. Yeah, no, it's a really it's a really good question, Andy. It's it's a really good question. I think I think in my heart of hearts, my conviction is that it's a false dichotomy. In my heart of hearts, my conviction is that it's it's a kind of throwback to that sacred secular divide that most of us grew up with, that there was a spiritual world and a secular world, and neither the neither the twain should meet unless you were backsliding. You know, it's that kind of mentality. And 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 actually, I, I think that um, I think it's the Benedictines who who wrote about. Um, Pray as if it all depends on God and work as if it all depends on you. And, and I think that it is incumbent on church leaders to take that kind of approach. It would be it would be a dereliction of duty not to do our homework, to research the demographics. Certainly, you know, we've got our graphs here that were pointing to the situation and, you know, the decline of the membership over the years and the increasing average age of the members and all those kind of things, which, which any premise for change needs to have as a foundation. But it's also about praying and discerning what the spirit of God is doing in the moment and, and you know, consistently testing everything against God's word. So I do, I do think it's a, I think it's a false dichotomy. I think the two go together. I love that thing that C.S. Lewis wrote about, partnership with God seeing faith as a partnership with God where he said in the end we did it and God did it mean the same thing and and I like that nuanced understanding of of what what scripture means to be you know in fellowship koinonia with with God and his people that actually that we have to somehow hold the tension and and live live both simultaneously Thank you. No, that's, I mean, that's a helpful, very helpful perspective. Um, and obviously you look at going back to preaching with a view and assessing things and yeah. sensing God's call. You you had a, a year or so to assess things. Um, often you you might find that the church that you thought you joined is not quite the church that you actually joined. <laughs> and I just, yeah. uh, you know, did you did you change your mind in that year or so? Um, or have you changed your mind since after the, the the COVID hit about about where what the the priorities were? Um, I, I came with an open mind. I remember somebody saying, "You know, what's your vision?" And I said, "Well, give me a couple of years, and we'll work on it together." You know, it's it. I think that um, 
it, it was really very invigorating and very stimulating to be in a situation for 23 years and then come to somewhere where I knew nothing. I had no prior relationships. I'd never lived in the area. I didn't know the denomination. I didn't know the people, you know. It, I, my wife and I found it really stimulating and and Upton Vale have been the most loving and gracious church, really welcoming. It's been a delight to be here. Um, and so so I think because I came with an open mind and hungry to learn, I'm, I'm a big fan of um, Jim Collins' work um, for leaders. And and he, he he's, he's one of his tenets is that we just have to face the brutal facts. <laughs> we just have to be honest with ourselves and each other. What are the harsh realities of our situation? And the harsh realities of our situation was that we were getting smaller and growing older and that uh, nothing new uh, tended to happen. Rather, you know, faithfulness was defined by preserving the old. So, you know, we just had to have some conversations about that. And those those conversations continue as we begin to, you know, birth some new things and try some new things. The problem was COVID. It was such a massive disruptor. And it wasn't just that, you know, physical gatherings stopped. We had to, you know, regroup as a staff team. How do you how do you work remotely? You have to restructure your whole pastoral care strategy. You have to kind of see the front line of, of church now as small groups. They're the people, and how are you going to support the small group leaders, et cetera, et cetera. It was it's been a massive disruptor. You know, for all leaders, I think it's just been very, very hard. I, w- I was fortunate enough to have 33 years of local church leadership under my belt before a global pandemic hit. And I found this really testing. In a sense, I guess the church you serve is not untypical of the, the national church because the, 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 the declining numbers and getting older is, is the demographic of, of the UK church at the moment. Yes. And uh, yeah. many, many local churches within that. So many, many of our listeners will be, will be nodding um uh, at, at the radio <laughs> yeah yes. that's that's kind of where we're at um so as you as you now we're sort of post covid although you know sadly there's still there's still the delta variant there's still nervousness about uh in person gatherings some churches are still uh encouraging people to wear masks and singing or whatever as you kind of view the landscape what are the kind of things that you would want to put your energy in to as a church and what are maybe the things that the church has previously put energy into that you'd like to say perhaps those those weren't the things that that we needed to focus on yeah Uh, i I think we we just have to step back we we just have to step back and and i think the first um step is a mindset and and it's it's let's behave as if Romans 8.28 is actually true, (laughs) that in all things, including global pandemics, God is at work for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. let's, Let's just pause and just imagine for a moment that that's true about this pandemic, that as we have seen all the way through history, uh, supremely at the cross, God uses evil and turns it for his good and for his purposes. So, so what is the good that can come out of this? You know, Eugene Peterson used to used to say that the first assumption of Christian spirituality is that God is already present and already at work. 
So when we pray, we're not trying to persuade him to do something. In prayer, he's opening our eyes to see what he's already doing so that we can get on board with it. So what is the good that God is doing through the lockdown of the Christian church in the UK? And for, for you know, I know that there have been lots of calls for people to get back to church and, you know, and and actually I'm I'm much more on the page of saying, well, let's just ask some searching questions. What what have we learned? You know, let's let's just evaluate that. We've learned, for example, that our whole view of church was very, very Sunday centric, that it was skewed to what we did on a Sunday. And actually, COVID has forced us to rethink that. We we have learned that our parents are really, really struggling to disciple their kids. We've learned that there's massive needs in our community, which during COVID, many of our churches were able to meet in new and fresh ways. What are we going to hold on to from that? We've learned that our prayer life has gone through the ceiling as a, you know, we've had um, here, we've had uh, more prayer meetings and greater attendance at prayer times than at any time in living memory in the church. And it's been fantastic. People can become friends and do life deeply online. And the online is real life, not fictitious. Like, you know, there's a whole bunch of lessons that I think we, we've got to, to evaluate and, and, uh, and be careful about. And, and, and then I think the next thing is we've got to resist nostalgia. It seems to me that as the pandemic begins to, you know, kind of wind down, there is a vision in the local church that's driven by nostalgia. We long for the secure, for the familiar, um, for comfort of, of, of we don't want things to have changed. But, but for goodness sake, why, why would we go back to a way of being which all the data says was not very successful, why would we do that? You know, surely amongst God's people, there is the energy, there's the creativity and the imagination to, to think up some better ways of doing things than the way we were doing before. So I think it's really important that, that leaders just help their churches to adopt a mindset which embraces God's sovereignty. It takes a moment to pause and say, what did we really learn? What are the things that we lost during COVID that actually we don't want back? What are the new things that we did and experienced that we don't want to lose? So, for example, in our uh, online services during COVID, we introduced a and a time at the end where whoever had been speaking could be, you know, anybody could just message in their questions. Well, there's a whole bunch of people who do not want uh, to lose that Q&A. There's also a whole bunch of people who don't want to go back to my 40-minute sermons that I was preaching before lockdown. They prefer the shorter 20-minute version. You know, so, so there are all sorts of, you know, and yeah, all sorts of things um, to learn. We, we had um, Anne Calver uh, come and speak during the, the lockdown. When I say come and speak, she was, you know, uh, um, streaming in, zoomed in, and um, and she described this as our wardrobe moment. She said, this is the church's wardrobe moment, when all the clothes we had in the wardrobe are now out on the bed, and we've got to work out which are the ones that are going to go back in the wardrobe, 
And which are the ones we don't fit anymore and need to go to a charity shop? She said, it's just like that with the church. If we go back to doing everything we were doing before, we will have missed a once in a lifetime opportunity to actually reevaluate the effectiveness of um, the church's uh, structures and systems relative to its mission. So I, I got really excited about that. And we've tried to embrace that fully here. If we if we could just be getting our churches to say, OK, so what are the needs of our communities, uh, communities and how can we best serve them? You know, how do we move from a a a, a program running institution to a disciple making movement? Those are those are the kind of questions that need to be echoing around our PCCs, our deacons and elders. Andy, you um presumably had streaming services during lockdown. Will they yeah. continue? Like it or not, streaming is the new foyer. You know, this is it's the place where anybody who's thinking about coming to church will first go to church. You know, it's the new welcome team. It's our website and our, our uh, an insight into the way we meet will be the way that people of the future engage with the church for the first time. And we only get, you know, one chance to make a first impression, right? So so I think, you know, it's here to stay, like it or not, it's, it's here to stay. So, um, and, and I think the second thing is that, that what we're learning in this season of church is that where we have been fixated with Sunday attendance, we are now beginning to learn to measure weekly engagement as a much more uh, important priority. Now, don't get me wrong, as we think through the issues of discipleship, as we think through the habits and rhythms that form us in the image of Christ, I think we will come to the absolute significance and importance of meeting together to worship, uh, you know, of inconveniencing ourselves for one another, you know, to come to a place where we don't get everything our own way and that isn't consumer driven, but we're there to worship God and encourage other people. You know, when we come at, at this question of what does it make to, to what does it take to make a disciple making movement, gathering is really important. So I don't want to under, undermine that at all. I just want to recognize that, you know, the digital world is the real world. It's here to stay. And, and I, I think the future has to be hybrid. So we're planning on uh, in-person and streamed services um, simultaneously, a mixture of the, the digital and the physical, which I wanted to call fidgetal, but nobody here liked it. Okay. <laughs> well, you're listening to The Leadership Show with uh, me, Andy Peck, and joined by Andy Hickford, who's the uh, senior leader at uh, Upton Vale Baptist Church. Uh, we've been talking about life post-COVID from Andy's reflections on uh, being a relatively new minister at Upton Vale, having served previously 23 years at Maybridge in Worthing. So uh, just moving on as we, we come to, towards the end, uh, Andy, um, you've obviously served for 23 years at Maybridge. Knowing you, I'm sure there had been change in, in, in life. What, what did you learn about change management at Maybridge that you hope you'll bring to Upton Vale as some of these adjustments take place? I think change leadership is a lifetime in the learning. <laughs> is that right? Um, okay. So I, I consider myself a student rather than a master, that is for sure. But um, uh, I think I learned a few things at Maybridge. I think the first thing was, was to use the phrase, let's just try this. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and, and you know, we, we came in a cult. I came into a culture at Maybridge, which was so fearful of ever getting anything wrong that, that, you know, we had to fast and pray for six months before we could, you know, make any decision where, whereas, you know, I wanted to, I learned that just by creating a culture of experiment where experiment would be normal, where it was okay to fail, better to try something and it not work than not to have tried it at all. And, you know, that whole kind of culture. Now, you can't have that without a, 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 a leadership culture that sustains it. So that leadership culture has got to be communicative. It's got to be honest. It's got to be accountable. It's got to be personable and transparent, you know, but actually just making that taking it away from that institutional feel and more to that relational thing. We're going to just try something. It might work, it might not, but we'll get everybody's feedback. You know, trying to inculcate that kind of culture. Uh, I think the the second thing was, you know, uh, the importance of both casting a vision and making a strategic plan, you know, to bite the thing up into incremental steps. And that was very, very important. But it's it's vision that excites people. It's vision that, you know, when people understand why this piece of change is important because it fits into the bigger picture, that's that's when we we get some buy-in. Um, I could speak all day on this, but a couple of other things. I think time to grieve. As a young pastor, I was so excited about vision that I didn't really authenticate people's sense of loss because the truth is that in any change, there is loss. There were good things about the past. And actually, um, I, I think as a young pastor, I used to see that as a bit of lack of vision and a bit of negativity. It wasn't. People were just processing grief. And to take time with people in processing their grief, I think is a, is a, is a really important part. And I, I found that as time went on, um, as we owned that together, there was greater alignment around, you know, where we went in the future. My pet phrase about change would be that change is about navigating the rocks, but it is also about judging the tide. And so timing is really, really important when it comes to change. Sometimes it's the right thing to do, but you give it, you you wait a few more months and um, and judge the tide, uh, and and that's that's reading the atmosphere and reading the room and judging the energy levels, and that's what makes post-COVID leadership so hard, because government regulations might be one thing, but social behaviour is something completely different. So as we close, Andy, some any books or speakers that have informed your own thinking on developing a church for the 21st century? Oh, yeah, lots. Um, I think uh, anything that Tim Keller has written, I've found especially helpful. Andy Stanley and his whole deep and wide emphasis. I'm, uh, I'm very, very um, helped by him. Uh, a new guy that some of your listeners might not have heard of, Mark Sayers, uh, an Australian guy, brain the size of a small planet. Um, uh, <laughs> his, his two books, Disappearing Church and Reappearing Church, I found enormously helpful. Alan Scott's book, Scattered Servants, has been significant in, in our thinking about what it means to be a disciple-making movement. 
um, caring new off posts and um, podcasts and uh, emails. Uh, I really, uh, he's outstanding. I'd really recommend him. And I had the privilege of working with a group called Lead Academy that um, uh, with people like Martin Williams and Nick Cuthbert. And uh, that has been enormously helpful in helping us think through here. What are we going to do um, as we come out of COVID? Because it's an it's a exciting time, but it's immensely challenging. No, thank you. Um, and are you optimistic for looking forward? Uh, you know, which churches are going to grow in the next season and which will wither and die? Yeah, I, I, hope is a theological conviction for me, right? And I'm sure it is for you, you know. Um, I've read to the end of the book and we win in the end. So, you know, <laughs> but I do think that things are not going to get easy anytime soon. I think this is a time of pruning in the church. I think that numbers won't go back to what they were I think that um, there are going to be some very hard times ahead. I was talking to a leader last week uh, who knows of a church in America where they've just sacked two-thirds of their staff team, you know, just. Uh, so I think we're, we're going to see the pastoral fallout. We're going to see the financial fallout. And, and there is just this disgruntlement in the air which makes people stroppy and impatient, and, and it's a absolute joy to be in leadership for such a time as this but but <laughs> but i am encouraged by mark sayers who who says you know flabby organizations never change the world god is pruning his church for a re reason and the the pruning of the church is coinciding with this vacuous emptiness in our 21st century western culture where people are longing and looking for an alternative to empty lives and maybe uh, a refined and, uh, you know, kind of pruned church could be uh, just positioned for such a time as this. Well, Andy, thank you so much for your, your wisdom and insight and uh, the fruit of your, your time at Uptonvale, but also, of course, for uh, three decades or so of, of service in the church. So thank you. Bless you. my interview with Andy Hickford, the senior leader at Upton Vale Baptist Church. Tons of wisdom there. You may want to download and re-listen, either via Premier Radio's website or the podcast where you listen from. If you're a church leader, make sure you do the hard thinking and praying about what your priorities may be as a local church. But of course, that wisdom applies to all areas of leadership, inside and outside the church. Understand your reality and be of influence for good within it. As Andy reminded us, in all things, God is at work for good in the lives of those who love him. So let's trust him and love him and spot the good things he is doing. Until next time, this is Andy Peck. Looking forward to your company again. Bye for now. The Leadership Show with Andy Peck. Email andy.peck at premier.org.uk 